Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to QC Fantasy. My name is Graham Rogers, joined as always by Taylor Story, Chris Hayes. Guys, how are we doing this evening? Doing phenomenal. I am so well today. So well. Good, good. We've got Taylor back for running back rankings. He is fired up about this one, so I hope Chris Chris is ready. We had some good uh, pre-show banter here that will now... Uh, kind of trickle into the the rankings here in conversation. So, but before we get to the redraft running back rankings from Chris Hayes, let's dive into some NFL news. Guys, keeping it brief today. Again, I know there's a lot going on in preseason football. We are going to touch on a lot of it as we go through these rankings, but for the stuff we're not going to cover. So Baker Mayfield officially named the starter in Carolina. I know most people don't think that's news. It's news for me, being a Panther fan, had to plug it in here. There was also mm. talk from some talking heads out there that this was a QB competition. I think you guys know from day one, once Baker was acquired by the Panthers, it was it was over. Darnold was done for, um, probably permanently, to be a backup at this point. Um, any news there, guys? I mean, I'm excited for McCaffrey, for DJ Moore. Um, it's definitely going to at least make the Panthers somewhat watchable this year knowing that we have a quarterback that can actually play quarterback in Carolina? Yeah, I mean, we figured it was going to happen, but all but confirmed now. So I think it still gives that little bump to uh, DJ Moore personally. So good for him. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think DJ Moore gets a small bump. Um, I'm glad Baker is, is... Is the quarterback for Carolina. He is confident at the very least, so it's great. Good. I agree. Looking forward to Sundays. Uh, Guys, other news, Gus Edwards placed on the pup list, so definitely going to miss at least four games to start the season. Good news for Gus, I mean, sorry, good news for J.K. Dobbins here. And then looking at behind him, is it Mike Davis? Is it Tyler Beatty out of Missouri, the rookie? Uh, what are you guys thinking here? Or are you just saying, hey, J.K. Dobbins is going to be the workhorse at this point? I mean, I'm hopefully uh, it's just J.K. Dobbins. Um, I guess this means he's going to be thrown into action a little quicker though than, I don't know, maybe they probably would have liked. Maybe they wanted to kind of ease him in a little more. I don't really know what their plans were, obviously, but um, he's going to be a full workload to start the season, so we'll see where he's at. Yeah, I think I think it's good news for J.K. Dobbins. I mean, Gus Edwards from, from the news reports, it sounded like he was way behind on his rehab any uh, anyway, so it's not much of a surprise. Um but I still don't think the Ravens will necessarily rush Dobbins to 15 to 20 carries game. I do think Mike Davis will get involved in those. God, in those I hope not. Years. I know. I know we hope Gross. not, but, but it like speaking realistically, like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I think we, we already, I think it's better news for Dobbins, but we know that rushes are going to get taken out of this offense by Lamar Jackson and then probably by someone else, whether it's Mike Davis, Tyler Beatty. Don't think either one of them are going to be super fantasy relevant unless something were to happen to Dobbins. So mm-hmm. hopefully this just gives Dobbins a little bit more work than we were expecting. And then in a different running back room, guys, Kenyon Drake was released by the Raiders. So this is a guy that was, you know, pretty highly sought after in like 2019, 2020 drafts. And then you turn around and here we are. So what do we guys, what do we think about the backfield? We know Josh Jacobs is there, you know, some odd things going on in the hall of fame game with how much he played. Uh, Zamir white out of Georgia's there. And then really behind that now it's Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah. So what do we think about this backfield and who are we targeting? I think it just says, um, this is more of a says more about Zamir white move to me. I don't think it's, Maybe necessarily uh, Kenyon Drake's probably irrelevant. I bet he there's a few places I bet he could sign and be a you know same position he was in a backup. I don't think he's a star uh, starting running back anywhere. Um, yeah, I think it says more about Zemir White. I'd be happy if you got him in dynasty. Maybe he's a late round, really really late round flyer and redraft that we're about to talk about. Slash, uh, keep your eye on the first couple weeks waiver wire type guy. Um, yeah, I think this is a mere white move, personally. I agree. I, I, when I saw this news, I was, I was really excited about Samir White because he is 
Right. He is a talented back. Um, but I know Josh McDaniels probably brought Brandon Bolden over from New England for, you know, for for some role. And Amir Abdullah is a pass catching back, so I mm-hmm. am intrigued. Honestly, I'm trying. The the more we get, uh, the closer we get to the uh, start of the regular season, the more I'm trying to stay away from the Raiders' backfield as a whole. To be yeah, honest with you guys, that's fair. That's yeah, totally I mean, fair. I think this probably goes back to some conversations we've had before where I do think this offense is going to be improved, obviously, with the weapons they've added. But once they get into the red zone and Derek Carr has the weapons of Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro, it's like, how many times are they going to turn around and trust Josh Jacobs or a rookie in Zamir White to run the ball in? So Don't um, have to. Yeah, if one of them gets most of the workload, they could be fantasy relevant. But I don't think we're looking at touching anywhere close to QB one. I mean, running back one and maybe not even running back two out of the backfield if they start splitting the work. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on. We definitely vulture each other pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So not a lot on news there. We're going to talk about some of these backfields where, you know, we're going to talk through some of the preseason stuff that's happened and everything like that. So Chris, go ahead and let's dive into the rankings. So starting off like we've done before, run through your top 12 here. Let's go through the running back ones. Um, maybe talk about somebody that you have higher or lower than maybe consensus in the industry is. And then uh, Taylor and I will kind of jump in on, you know, what you got right, what you got wrong, and where we think uh, things will shake out differently. Yeah. All right. I'll jump right in. Uh, one through 12 in order. I've got Jonathan Taylor, number one. Austin Eckler, number two. Eric Henry, number three, Christian McCaffrey, number four, Najee Harris, number five, Joe Mixon, number six, Alvin Kamara, number seven, Dalvin Cook, number eight, Leonard Fournette, number nine, Aaron Jones, number 10, Nick Chubb, number 11, and DeAndre Swift, number 12. Um, I guess if there's two guys that that I'm higher on than the consensus, consensus is, is Austin Eckler ahead of uh, Christian McCaffrey. I know McCaffrey seems like the consensus uh, number two pick, and even sometimes going as high as one. Um, but I, I really like the stability of Eckler, um, and I've been burned by McCaffrey the last two years, taking him one overall, so I'm still kind of scarred from that. Um, and I love the Chargers offense as a whole, so I, I think there will be some touchdown regression for Eckler, but I still think he's going to be a monster this year and will be as safe a pick as you can get. Mixon than than a lot of people because I know like when you think of the Bengals you think of Burrow you think of Chase you think of Higgins you think of Boyd and all those great receivers but um with the improved offensive line and I think there will be a a bunch of opportunities for Mixon to punch in as well um so when when the Bengals get into the red zone which they will um Mixon is I think he's going to be that go-to guy and and still have monster numbers this year so those are probably two guys i'm i'm higher than than most people are on yeah i i feel like i i like the list i I think i wouldn't move anybody outside or move anybody to a different spot the top 12 i think should be the same for everybody regardless of the order um the only thing i think i'd do i'd make two moves I, I would personally move mccaffrey and harris at four and five to two and three and just drop eckler and henry down um so really for me it'd probably read taylor mccaffrey harris eckler then henry i feel like that's a pretty set and forget top five um and then i'd probably move swap leonard fournette with deandre swift straight swap other than that i feel like i like everything uh just because it's ppr nick chubb is definitely going to hover around that 10, 11, 12 range, unless he just goes ballistic with touchdowns, um, which I don't know if I see happening, especially with Brissett there for 11 games or whoever they might even be playing a quarterback, let's be honest. Um, Aaron Jones at 10 is a pretty safe spot. I think he definitely has the most upside of the second half of the top 12 to finish in like the top four. I mean, we've seen it before, so it's just hard to rank him that way. So 10 is good for him. Um, Swift just I think he's just going to be a little more electric. This is why I would probably put him ahead of Aaron Jones. Uh, I think, what is the stat? Running backs 26 and over haven't ever had a top top four season? Top five season? Something like that. So 
it'd be, you know, and you're looking at guys like Kamara Jones, Cook, guys like that, that uh, historically it won't happen. So it's that's kind of why they're ranked that way. And so just those few moves, like I said, I wouldn't move anybody outside of the 12 that you've got. Um, I just don't think Fournette can repeat what he did last season. I'm not too high on him. Um, everybody else I, I pretty much like there in that spot. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree on definitely CMC getting up to number two. I mean, I get there's there's risk there, and then I don't I don't really mind Eckler at three, and then you can you can play around with the Henry, the Harris, the Mixon, kind of that order. I think Kamara is a pretty safe pick. Uh, it seems like suspension isn't coming this year; is going to get pushed down the line yep. into the summer or next season. So he's he's got to be top twelve. I do like Dalvin Cook in the Minnesota offense again. They've got uh, Rams coaching staff coming in and taking over, uh, hopefully going to be a little bit more dynamic in that offense. And then I think right now I'd, I'd probably move Swift and Jones ahead of Chubb and Fournette personally. I think a lot of that, like Taylor mentioned, playing in the age factor for Swift and just his explosiveness in an offense that we think should be better. And if he can stay healthy, uh, is should pick up right where he left off last year uh, when he was on the field and just one of the most dynamic players with the ball in his hands. And Aaron Jones, again, just without Devontae Adams there, we've seen some of the splits and I don't see any reason why that offense won't run through him and A.J. Dillon. Um, So that would be the only adjustment. But like Taylor said, the the 12 are the correct 12 in my mind Um, as far as redraft goes because they're guys lower down in this 13 to 24 range that – carry a little bit more risk where like with my best ball rankings I had these players higher because I will take that risk for the upside but in redraft you want to feel pretty solid about what you're getting week in and week out so that you can win your matchups yeah I think just real quick again before Chris defends himself um, when you look at Eckler Henry and McCaffrey I feel like they all carry the same amount of injury risk history wise and if we're looking at them all the same I would rather have McCaffrey over all of them um, and then the reason I put Harris in front of Eckler and Henry is because the lack of injury concern. Um, I, I mean, Harris can do what Eckler does. Catching the ball wise, obviously, is what we've seen. Will he do it again? Maybe not, but we know the talent is there and the quarterbacks aren't the best, so we could still see a lot of that this year. So that's kind of why I'd, I'd still like McCaffrey up there at, uh, ahead of all those other guys. I mean, I get what you're saying about the injury risk to Eckler and Henry, but, I mean, McCaffrey is the one that's played, like, what, 15 games in the last two seasons? So, I mean, that's a little bit different than, than someone, like Ek- someone like Eckler, in my, in my opinion. And in PPR, like, I still think he's going to be more valuable than Najee, um, just because you can have more catches than Najee, and they're just going to score more touchdowns. Like, they're going to have yeah. more opportunity. Um, this like you for the people listening out there like it's the correct twelve and we're just kind of nitpicking here like in the end it's right. it's really up to you and what your personal prefer- preference is so like in all of my drafts this year like I'm not I'm not taking if I have a top five pick I'm not taking I'm not taking Christian McCaffrey regardless of of uh, of uh, of the of the scoring format because in the last two years like y- you can't. You can never win your league in the first round, but you can certainly lose it. And that's what's happened to me in, in the last few years with McCaffrey. So, like, I mean, I get the upside that he carries, and if he's there at six, I'll, I'll take him, I'll take the chance. But I'd really prefer someone a little, a little bit safer. Hey, if, if Christian McCaffrey plays 10 games this year, I want those 10 games. I mean, you're probably going to win all 10 of those games if McCaffrey plays all of them healthy. But if, so. But if he plays weeks 1 through 10 and then he gets injured and is out the rest of the year, you're, you're Hey, you you're can't win just, playoffs if you don't make it there. Just, just make sure you have his handcuff, who both players are way too far down on your list, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> moving to... The uh, running back two tier here. So I think there's probably going to be more discussion. At least I've, I've got some, some bones. Yeah. To pick with. I got some bones to pick with Chris here. Um, so Chris, yeah, run, Chris. Through, run through 13 through 24 and, you know, thought process on these players, the offenses and why you have certain guys ahead of others. All right. So for my RB twos, I've got James Connor at, uh, was that RB 13 Saquon Barkley right after then Javante Williams 
Travis Etienne, Zeke Elliott, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, A.J. Dillon, and Tony Pollard. Um, those are my RB2s. Graham, why don't you go ahead and go first? What you, I know you probably got some good ones in there. Hello? Graham? Well, we might have lost Graham. Um, well, t- <laughs> I guess I'm first. I guess um, I was trying to do a little more research, maybe do a little bit more math on. I think James Connors really the only big name that sticks out to me here. I mean, he, if you just look at his stats last year, I mean, he had 15 touchdowns. Uh, I don't. I just don't think he repeats that. I think he he gets somewhere gets cut in half with that. Um, he's definitely going to be single digits. I mean. Classic touchdown regression scenario here. It, it, it always happens. So I, I think just to be safe, I have him somewhere around the middle of the RB2s because I still think he's a good player and he'll still be a big part of that offense. But, I mean, he's got injury history too. I, I just feel like I don't want to be drafting him where he's being drafted. Um, as far as everybody else, I love Saquon Barkley. Uh, I will take him as my RB2 all day long, and which is what people are doing just because of the injury risk. But I, I think he bounces back. Um, Javante Williams is a tough one to kind of predict. What what's Melvin Gordon going to look like? Probably a safe place, and also probably where you're going to have to draft him if you want him. Uh, other than that, I, I do like J.K. Dobbins probably more than Cam Akers and Brees Hall and Zeke Elliott this year. So I'd move him a few spots higher, um, and then Zeke I'd probably have beneath all of them. Um, I, I'd have Zeke around like twenty twenty one. Um, and then you a guy that's ahead of David Montgomery. Yes, just because of the offense, I want to say um, both guys are probably like their own two-man tier. Just Zeke with his uh, unbelievable regression from his rookie year, year after year, and David Montgomery just with his offense because he's a good runner. But you know the Bears, how much are they going to produce? Um, AJ Dillon, I do love. I think he's pretty much going to be a keeper in our league for me, especially at his price with our auction values that we'll get him at. If I can get him as my, I mean, he's RB3 price if you're looking at auction leagues and really even ADP. I mean, some of these guys like Rashad Penny, Gibson, uh, a couple of these guys we might not have mentioned, Elijah Mitchell, can easily get picked ahead of Dillon. And he's just kind of, he can be forgotten about. Like if you're in a league that's sleeping, um, he's going to be forgotten about, and you can pick him up uh, at a really good price, and I certainly wouldn't be mad at that. So Dylan down there at the bottom is a guy I'd target, and I think easily has an RB2 finish. Like I said, if you're getting him as your RB3 and he has an RB2 finish, that's instant value returned, which I, I'm pretty sure is going to happen. I mean, Chris, you and I were surprised about it before the show. Uh, AJ Dillon rushed for over 800 yards last year, which I was I saw that, and I was like, what? Did he really? Yeah. Um, and only five touchdowns. Like it felt like he had a lot more for both, um, just the way he ran. And obviously, I think that's going to go up. He had 187 rushes last year. I think he does get well over 200. Yeah. So I think he touches that a thousand yards, maybe seven, eight touchdown mark this year. I think he's so touching at least. He's he, touching the ball at least 200. Oh, at least 200 times. 200. No doubt about. It. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't even take count. And he had 34 catches. Yeah. And he can. He's going to touch the ball 250 times. There's no doubt in my mind. He is probably the most underrated pass catching running back in the league. I'm not even saying that with bias. I mean, ask a lot of people. And AJ Dillon has amazing hands for what people think he has. I mean, he's a huge back and his quads are as big as a school bus that carries children. And his hands are just, I mean, it's like, what, what, what was that college game where the guy was like, his hands are soft and can just receive the ball. If you've seen that clip, that, that's, that's AJ Dillon. He might've even been talking about him. I don't know, but that, that's kind of where I'm at on your list. Um, I think we, I think we kind of still lost Graham a little bit. I haven't at least heard him yet. So Chris, if you kind of want to go back to kind of defending some of these rankings and where you've got, I, I'd like to hear your take on Zeke. Actually, what give me kind of your your thoughts on Zeke? You've got him probably higher than most people, I'd say. Yeah, I just I think if you draft him as your RB two, you're going to get exactly what you need. Like Dallas is still a 
I'm I'm low on Dallas this year, but they still are a high powered offense. And right. um I just don't I think we're gonna continue to see like the fifty fifty split of uh of Russian pass for Dallas this year because they they lack uh yeah, they probably. lack as many receiving weapons. So it's Zeke's not a sexy pick at all, and I'm almost never taking him. Um but he is like he is a viable RB two, and he right. It's like you have to rank him there, but I don't want to touch him. It's kind yeah, of where you're right. at, right? Like he has much, to be yeah. there. Like odds are he finishes an RB two. Yes. Like, let's let's be real. Um, but he's just so gross. And James, yeah. like I do want to, uh, I do want to defend James Conner a little bit. Just like I agree with you with the touchdown regression, but I still uh-huh. think you'll get RB two value out of him because he is going. With Edmonds gone, he's going to be the receiving back. So I do think he will make, not necessarily make up like 15 touchdowns. It's a lot of touchdowns. But if he scores, if he scores eight touchdowns, but he catches 40 to 50 balls, like that's that's still yep. that's valuable in in PPR. Um, I, just, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna jump in for the James Conner slander because I'm 100% here for it. Um, yeah. I just I, I agree with the touchdown regression piece here. But I think even more so is, you know, we talk about, you know, I don't want to take CMC or Eckler or Henry early because of injuries, but we're talking about another guy here at running back two who could face the same issues. And I I don't see them letting James Conner be the absolute workhorse with the pass catching work and the rushing work that would be required. And if they do, it just means he's going to be taking more shots. I think he is one of the more fragile guys on this list. Once you get past some of those top guys who we see when you get that heavy workload and take that many shots year after year, it, you know, these things happen. And I get that Chase Edmonds moved on, but I don't think they did that without a plan or feeling like maybe Eno Benjamin could oh, fill man, that I role. Damian Williams. Oh, I, I just think. Daryl Williams. No, King's so confusing. Like, like you say, D. Ari- Williams. You say Arizona has a plan, but they really don't. Like, they're completely clueless. Like, Kingsbury. Hey, we'll see in Hard Knocks this year if they've got a plan. It's yeah, just, don't, think, don't forget about in season Hard Knocks. You know, the. I, I could see it playing out where Williams gets more of the snaps between the twenties, maybe some of those downs that really don't matter or pass blocking downs. And maybe they save Connor for additional pass catching work now and, or the red zone work, or they're going to go the opposite direction. And, you know, Benjamin is going to get more of the pass catching. I just don't see Connor being a workhorse, um, but I do like the yeah. offense he's in. So I, I, he's definitely a running back two for me. Um, and then just to run down the list, like Saquon and Javante, I'd bump ahead of Connor. Um, I think yep. the ETN, Zeke, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, Dobbins, like that's a pretty good stretch there. I don't mind at value getting any of those guys. Like I'm not super high on Zeke, but. That, that's the, the player, toss-up range. Yeah, for the player he's in. I mean, it's just take your guy of those five, yeah. and I've got no yep. issue with it because they all have pretty good upside and are good athletes. Um and then the opposite of good athletes, you get into David Montgomery and Josh oh, Jacobs. I know we just talked about the Las Vegas backfield. If Jacobs is going to get the majority of the work, which honestly he probably will, because they're not just going to turn the reins over to Zamir White and Amir Abdullah, right? Um, then he's mm-hmm. probably going to end up as a running back too. And then, yeah, I love A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard at the back half here. I mean, it's interesting. We've got, you know, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones is one and two. We got Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott both as running back twos. Um, so it is interesting to kind of see that play out when there are some starters lower down on the list, but for good reason, um, not being within this this top 24. So, um, but Chris, you know, I've never been a James Conner fan, so it is what it is. Um, he proved to me be, wrong last year. Like, to be fair, I'm not a fan of a lot of these guys. Like, a like I don't really want to unless if I'm in a non PPR league, there there are guys here that I'm just not interested in drafting. Like the guys that write I'm that down. Write that down. <laughs> Mostly because of their ADP and where they're going. But like I got yep. like in my first redraft, like I drafted Brees Hall in the third round the third round, which may have been a, a little bit of a reach there just because I got robbed from uh like Mark Andrews and J.K. Dobbins, two picks before. But there I got Travis Etienne in the fifth and A.J. Dillon in the sixth round in a 12-team non-PPR, which in my eyes, those guys are both like RB2s. So like 
it's all about finding value for these guys. These are how I would, this is how I rank them. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm like jumping two or three rounds to get them, but these are got there's a reason I like these guys more than maybe like guys like Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, who are going two, three rounds ahead of, you know, AJ Dillon and, and Tony Pollard. Yeah. You guys want a little uh, mid-podcast hot take from me real quick? No. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Too bad. You're going to get it. I think the core four stats for running back, you know, rushes, yards, yards per carry, and touchdowns. Looking at James Conner and A.J. Dillon, I think A.J. Dillon beats Conner in all four of those categories this year. Okay, re- repeat those for me. Give me the four statistics. So, so rushes, yards, yards per carry, and touchdowns. I think A.J. Dillon surpasses Connor in all four of those categories this year. He already had he had 15 less carries. This is A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon had 15 less carries, 50 more yards, uh, rushed for like 0.7 yards more a carry, and just had 10 less touchdowns. And with the touchdown regression... Just, just I, 10 less. Okay, you know what I mean. I think I think he beats him in all four of those categories. Hot take. Uh, I've got a question for you guys about my rankings. If you had to choose um, one or two guys from this uh, 12 through 24, um, because you both agreed that the, that the RB1s were correct, uh, the, the 12 mm-hmm. guys that were correct, if there's one or two guys that could jump from the RB2 category into that RB1 category, who would it be? And who would be bounced out? How many do you want? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm rolling with my guy Saquon Barkley and taking out Leonard Fournette all day. Yeah, I mean, I that, that's what I do. Yeah, I'd I'd give you. Oh man, granted, it'd be like a twelve. He'd go to twelve probably, but <laughs> I think there I think there are a number. It of counts, guys. okay? Yeah, there are a number of guys that can do it. Like if Saquon or Javante did it, I mean, if anything happened, I mean, again, some of this is based on injuries, right? If Melvin Gordon doesn't get the workload we're expecting or gets hurt, Javante Williams is talented and is going to be on a good offense. And I'd I'd look at bumping a Fournette or a Chubb, um, most likely, especially if we're talking half PPR, full PPR, not standard. Chubb's going to have a lot more value there and finish higher. But, I mean, at at the end of the day, Again, if ETN ended up up there, or yeah. if, or if the if the Rams' offense is just as good as it was last year, but this year they don't throw the ball eight times more than the next closest team in the red zone, like Acres. If you talk about touchdown regression, could be up there. Um, so I mean, Daryl Henderson. It's Darryl. stuff like that. The big D. Henderson season. He's it's trash. back on. He's okay. Um, That's not what camp reports say. Like those are the guys that I could see moving up, but definitely Saquon and Javante, and then Etienne and Acres being longer shots. But Chubb and Fournette would be the two that I think would drop. I don't think they will. I think they'll still be RB ones, especially in standard. Um, but those are the two that could fall out. That's fair. Get on board with that. So you guys did mention uh, a couple of other guys that are going like. Elijah Mitchell being a starter. Ramondre Stevenson is down here. Rashad Penny. Uh, we did talk about Antonio Gibson, an interesting backfield to talk about. So let's touch on a couple of those. I mean, same thing as you go further down Atlanta with Pet Cordero Patterson, Philadelphia with Miles Sanders. We, we just get into this stretch where the backfields are really unclear. So let's run through, I don't know, there are probably six or seven backfields here that we can look at and talk through that are right outside that, that top 24 range. I think the most interesting one has got to be uh, Seattle, right? I mean, Kenneth Walker's probably going to miss a little bit of time. Does Penny stay healthy and explode out of the gate and keep the job and prove to be a value, or does he just vanish and go into a timeshare once, right when Kenneth Walker comes back? Um, recently took Penny as a uh, fourth running back in a dynasty startup that's currently going on, so I felt good about it. Uh, especially where I got him. I think it was like eighth round, ninth round, maybe. Um, just kind of got to bolster my lineup. And that's really what I do in redraft too. Like if I'm taking Penny as a two, I feel like I'm screwed. Um, but if I'm taking him as a three, hopefully a four, I feel, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost like not worried about it, right? Like whatever happens, happens at that point with your RB4. Um but that's probably the most interesting backfield for me this season, just because I have no no idea what Pete Carroll could possibly do. 
wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they just didn't run the ball one time this year. You know, based off uh, what they did in the Super Bowl. That would make Still sense. That. that would make sense if they did the exact opposite of what they should be doing. So exactly. Like, like when they have Russell Wilson, they'll just run it every play. But when they have Drew yep. Locke and Geno, oh, it's time to air it out, baby. Time to sling the pigskin. God, I love Seattle. I think, yeah. I mean, the most interesting. Uh, the most interesting backfield every year is the San Francisco 49ers, in in my opinion. Just because you like yeah, low got, hanging fruit, low hanging fruit. I left that one alone. <laughs> I mean, you've got Elijah Mitchell, but, there, yes. but he's you know, injury. Like it, it, we saw, his it, his body just can't hold up through a full season of of a full a full workload. Um, and then we're adding in Trey Lance, who I think is is going to absolutely explode and become the goal the goal line option for the 49ers so between elijah mitchell jeff wilson jr and uh Tyrion davis price like it, it's going to be a mess um like I mean, people i'm not touching mitchell where he is and i'm just i'm not no. really touching any 49er running backs um i eh, man i'm i hate saying this but i am excited about ramondre stevenson since james uh... white retired um, New England, I mean, it's ugly. It, it's going to be ugly in New England, but they, they do use their backs well. They always have. And if Ramondre, the reports are saying that he is in line to take the James White, White role. So if he's involved in the passing game and Mac is just dumping it off to him, like that's a valuable asset. That's why I've moved him ahead of Damian Harris as well in, in my rankings. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on... Stevenson like I I do think he's probably going to be the more valuable running back there and it's interesting because you you want to look for a backfield where there's going to be volume um and like that's obvious in New England I mean they want to run the ball it's not like we're going to see Mac Jones airing it out to Devontae Parker like every single possession right so it is interesting to kind of hear that Stevenson has been kind of filling that pass catching role especially if you're half PPR full PPR um but you know, we talked about it with other backfields. It's like, are they just going to cannibalize each other with touches, yards, the red zone work, especially um, that just shoots everybody in the foot. And I do think, you know, Penny, Penny's the interesting one to me because it, it's a bad sign when a rookie is having issues staying on the field um, early on because it's yeah. not something that's just going to disappear as we get further into the season. I mean, every single player plays hurt. And to see this already happening with Walker early on, and I don't think he's that dynamic of a a player when you talk about just all around should be on the field every single possession. And let's be honest, Penny showed himself to kind of be that at the end of last year. So he's another guy that if we if we can pencil in that he's going to be healthy, he's definitely the best bet of this list, kind of 25 through you know 36 or so. And then I do want to get your opinions on like what is going on in Washington. What do we see playing out in Atlanta and also Philadelphia? Cause right here in your standings, you've got Gibson Patterson Sanders all back to back. I mean, heck, I don't care if we lump in, you know, Buffalo, how does that backfield play off play out Kansas city and, you know, wild card in all of these backfields, like where does Kareem hunt end up if he gets moved? Right. Cause that, I mean, that's one of my biggest fears with best ball is, I've got some shares in some of these backfields that if Kareem Hunt shows up, all those guys are absolutely shot, and Kareem Hunt is the guy. I think, uh, I mean, back to Washington, like Gibson is was playing, was returning kicks and punts and playing with the special teams in the preseason and running with the twos. It it's weird because I mean he fumbled and Ron Rivera is that type of coach to doghouse a guy. It almost feels like this is a doghouse type of thing, like. Play him in the preseason, play him with the twos, put him on special teams, just to almost like put him in the place like, hey, you're you're you know, you're not that guy, like you're not that special. Um look, we've got people behind you that know how to play the game. Like if you don't pick it up, this is it, it's like if you don't pick it up, this is where you're gonna be. I, I still think he's first on the field uh come week one. If he's not on that first play for the commander's first play of the season, then I'm like, oh crap. This has gone terribly wrong, but for me, Twitter will explode. Absolutely. Oh my God. Explode. Unbelievable. Even if he gets subbed out and they say something like, oh, we, we wanted a pass play. So we had this blah, blah, blah. Like it is not good. If he is not there first snap, Uh, that is when I am full panic mode, trade him for anything. 
Uh, drop him. Okay, no, don't drop him. Trade him for anything. I am full panic if Gibson's not on that field. Um, but yeah, it's for now. I'm I'm not moving Gibson. I'm just standing firm as to where he was. Uh, I think it was because of that fumble in the first preseason game. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, you should be kicking yourself to begin with if you drafted anybody on on the Washington Commanders. So I mean, shame on you yeah. for for drafting tough. like anybody. But yeah. You're going to get, at this point, you're going to get more value drafting J.D. McKissick in round 16 than you are in Antonio Gibson in, in round 6 or 7. Like, that's just a fact, especially if you're in, more than likely. If you're in PPR. Um, yeah. And Washington's going to be losing a lot of games, I, I think. Um, but, I mean, J.D. McKissick is, the, is, you know, that PPR kind of... People forget about him, but he is... He's scrappy in PPR. So I think you'll get more value out of him. But I mean, like I said, you know, just don't, don't necessarily draft players that are on just horrific offenses. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And again, in my focus being best ball, like I don't, I, I'm actually okay with Antonio Gibson dropping as far as he is. Like just keep letting it happen. This is the cheapest he's been in a long time. And oh, yeah. The, the sole hope there is, like Taylor said, this is just a doghouse kind of thing, and eventually Ron Rivera is going to be like, hey, my job is to win games and not just tank. Um, but my other piece of that is, you know, if Brian Robinson does end up being, they're splitting the load, I'm, I'm also trusting a rookie to stay healthy for 17 games. Um, Antonio Gibson has gone through full seasons, so trusting Gibson there, and if I can get him at a discount now, I guess why not? It might be worth a shot because I don't think there's any question of the talent. Um, and then, I mean, you talk about backfields to stay away from, like Atlanta. I'm unsure. Like, Oof. I get Patterson, but is he going to repeat the performance he had last year of running back, wide receiver, pretty much doing everything for that offense now that they've added a few more weapons? Uh, Miles Sanders in Philly. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell is there. There have been Kareem Hunt rumors to Philly as well. And then I do feel a little bit better about, say, the next two backfields. I know Devin Singletary is here. That's Buffalo, so you know you're going to have points scored there. Um, and then CEH, I mean, I'd like to get y'all's opinion on the Kansas City backfield. And is that just going to be a timeshare with Pacheco and CEH and maybe McKinnon on passing down work? Um, so talk to me about if you actually like any of the options from those four backfields. Mm, I mean, I, I, I'll not necessarily like I'll start with Philly. Um, I mean, Miles Sanders literally came out himself and said, don't draft me in fantasy, which, uh, <laughs> which not a good look, not the best look. Um, no. And it's too bad because like I was pretty I was much higher on Miles Sanders coming into the season, mostly because of touchdown, a positive touchdown regression. He literally had zero last year and we all of us think yeah, that they can't get worse. They can't get worse. And all of us think that the Eagles offense is going to be pretty darn good this year. Um, but it does seem like Kenny Gainwell will be heavily involved, especially on third, third down um, for, for Philly this year. Uh, I think we need to pump the brakes on Isaiah Pacheco, like just a little yes. bit. Like CEH is the number one guy and he's, and the, Chiefs are probably going to treat him that way. Like, I think Pacheco will come come in in like special circumstances, but Ceh is the guy. Um, now, how they actually use him remains to be seen, and that that's always worried me. Um, that's why I have him a little lower on this list. Um, and then the Bills, as Graham said, the Bills they're going to score points this year. I think Singletary will be solid. Um, and James Cook will you know could be valuable in PPR. Uh, formats, but it's really going to be a guessing game with him because Zach Moss has also looked pretty good in camp. So, I mean, that's going to further muddy the waters. But uh, I think for all the Anto Antonio Gibson uh, owners out there, I think best case scenario for you is Washington starts playing defense like they did a few years ago, and they just become a run-heavy team, and Gibson maybe finishes in, as an RB2. Yeah, which they probably won't because uh, Chase won't be on the field for a few. Uh, he's on the pup list, I think, right? Ugh. I saw, I believe, so four weeks at least. So that could be even questionable. Um, I believe they do have a pretty easy schedule for running backs, though, talking commanders-wise. So that could be something to uh, bank on. Um, but 
uh, I mean, talking back about the Bills, I don't think I want to touch anybody there. Uh, maybe James Cook as like a fifth running back, just because it feels like the door is wide open there yeah. for somebody to take the job. Um, and obviously, the rookies, the rookies, most of the time is going to come in and run the hardest of everybody in the room just to try and prove himself, especially when you're you're in a running back room of guys who aren't really studs let's say um i mean all decent guys to keep a job zach moss and singletary but uh i i feel like i mean he had a lot of good runs in the preseason just running hard um i like the way he runs so it i i feel like that's more up for grabs and i don't really want to take a shot on any of those guys um I've always liked Clyder Zolaire as a player but maybe not this time i'd rather take some other guys in that area. i'd rather take melvin gordon than Clyde Edwards-Alaire probably just later than you're taking Alaire. Yeah. Um, I mean, but like Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders. I mean, at this point, Antonio Gibson, Damian Harris, I'd really rather all have than Chiefs or Bills uh, or Patriots even. I mean, I know I mentioned Harris, but the the Patriots is that first backfield I'd probably dip into after all those other single guys. Graham, I know you mentioned the Atlanta backfield, and frankly, I don't want anything to do with it you know tyler algier mm-hmm. and, uh, no. if you can get i mean it all depends on when you can get Corderell, but that's you know, you're not going to get the same production as you did last year um and damien I'd, I'd rather look to keep pick up damien williams on the waivers after three weeks yeah. than draft draft any of them i think a backfield i'm more interested in well specifically one player is the houston texans honestly because i know lovey smith is going to run the ball and damian pierce has been an absolute monster in in camp like we they have marlon mack and rex burkhead but we kind of know what they are and it seems like damian pierce is is making a lot of waves and he's been really impressive in camp and in preseason so that's a guy that i'm going to be actively targeting um as my thought you weren't like targeting running backs from bad offenses Unless if they're getting a ton of volume. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think, you know, just to name off a couple of guys here, I mean, Taylor hit on one with Melvin Gordon that I like. You guys know I like Chase Edmonds. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I mean, whether he stays in Cleveland, we've seen the value he has there. And if he moves, it's probably not going to be to a worse situation where he's behind someone as good as Nick Chubb. Um, I personally... Like, I get the Pierce hype, and I get it in Dynasty, but I'm, I'm not too interested in that offense as a whole this year i think they're going to be improved um i do like again if we're talking half ppr or full point you know naheem hines is there james cook falls under that category as well uh you could then get into guys like we talked about mckissick or kenny gainwell um and then guys talk to me about you know strategy with handcuffs when it comes to redraft what you guys like to do because on this list here we then get into we talked about maybe marlon mack you get into daryl darrell henderson alexander madison you know james robinson a what's your approach and then who are a couple guys you would target as far as a handcuff for maybe some of those top end guys that could step in and see the majority of the workload uh i feel like i'm really only targeting the Panthers guys as true handcuffs and obviously probably Alexander Madison as always. Um, as far as everybody else is concerned, I wouldn't be actively looking to take a handcuff. But then again, I'm not even really a big handcuff guy. Like the only guys we've ever seen that are actually truly valuable were Kareem Hunt way back when, um, but we know he's now just a great player. Uh, and then more more recently, Madison and even the Panthers guys have done all right. But those were really the only two guys, two teams I'd be looking to handcuff personally. I'm more of a believer in the naked handcuff. Um, I don't mm. like, uh, I personally don't like handcuffing even my top running backs. Um, just because like, like say you draft Alvin Cook and then in round nine, you draft Alexander Madison. Let's just say Cook plays all 17 games. Like you've mm. went, but like if you draft Madison, you can't drop him. Like, you can't. Like you need, like you need him on your bench every week. And it, yep. in the theoretical situation that Cook is healthy for uh, seventeen games, like you've just wasted a bench spot, like for for a whole season. And like just my point of view, like every spot on your bench on your roster is is valuable. So yeah, you got to be ready to cut your handcuffs if you have to. Just keep that in mind. The, like if you. If you draft the handcuff, though, if you draft Madison and Cook, you can't, like, you can't drop either of them. 
like you're committed to it now. Like unless you need to. Unless that's all. maybe, but like you, you've committed to the backfield. That's just my point of view. I'm more in favor of picking of drafting handcuffs without uh, without the lead back. So I'm happy to draft Madison. Um, I'm happy to draft Madison even if I'm not a cook owner, just to have like that insurance because that I can I feel like I have free will to drop him if I need him. But if Cook gets hurt, then like I've I've got a steal. Whereas the cook owner, it's really just a backup plan. But you, mm-hmm. you can rob other people and use people like Alexander Madison. I know AJ Dillon's going a lot higher now, and that's a lot to invest. Like if you draft Aaron Jones in the second, then right. AJ Dillon in the sixth, like that's that's a lot to invest because you're potentially starting both of those backs. Um, other, any other handcuffs? I'm not necessarily interested in. Um, if no. I think Isaiah Spiller is interesting, like he's a talented back and. I was surprised he fell to the Chargers, but I mean Joshua Kelly is still around, so I'm not really sure what that's looking like. Uh, Rashad White is—I know he's been getting a lot of buzz. You know he is a talented back, but I also have a hard time believing, even if Fournette went down, that Brady would would trust a, a rookie running back. Um, besides, so I wouldn't—I wouldn't take them as handcuffs, though. I mean, those are unproven guys that yeah. we don't really know about you know so i wouldn't look at i wouldn't draft fournette and go oh, okay i need to get the I need to get Rashad buccaneers right. back up yeah. you know like even same thing with like zamir white if i've got like josh jacobs like i'd take zamir white because i think that he could be the lead back just in general not well, like there's, oh there's not jacobs might go down i think the problem you know, is that, like that's the only way i take some of those a guys a lot of these running backs though besides cook uh, and Madison, there's not a lot of guys here where if the lead running back goes down, like there's there's a guy no. that just jumps in and takes over the entire workload. Like exactly. they, they turn into committees. Like, maybe maybe uh, I think Deontay Foreman with Tennessee could be one, but Deontay Foreman on Carolina. Or uh, no, who went to? Uh, what, I get these two mixed up. Who's the guy that went to Tennessee? Well, they drafted uh, they drafted Haskins, Hassan, uh, Chestnut, so. and Hilliard is still there. Yeah. It's it's a so mess. there's there's not one there. Hill, Dontro Hilliard, Dontro Hilliard. Dontro I always Hilliard, got those guys mixed up. Hassan. I mean, he got run last year, so that might be a guy or Hassan Haskins if you really want to take a shot. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, not I'm really not big, still. I'm not a big handcuff fan. Uh, like Chris mentioned, no. it, kind of, it limits your upside. Um, and I do I do like both the idea of anything you know that chris has to do with mentioning naked but um especially right, of course especially <laughs> you know if you draft say like an eckler and then you're able to pick up say an etn or an elliot and something were to happen to cook and you have madison i mean you've got three rbs rb2 and up that are on your roster without having to be part of the injury with dalvin cook so that is interesting and then i think the other thing to look at is We've named a lot of guys that probably aren't your traditional handcuff, but do have some standalone value, plus could fill in more and get more touches mm-hmm. if the starter goes down. So like we mentioned, James Cook, obviously we talked about Melvin Gordon, uh, who again, they'd probably play somebody else because oh, Gordon's yeah. a little bit up there in age. Maybe Kenny Gainwell as another would get more run. I know Boston Scott's still there and they would probably split the load. Uh, Michael Carter's an interesting one if anything happened to Brees Hall. Um, or he stinks. <laughs> or Khalil or Khalil Herbert, but I hate that offense, so that's not I like Jamal Williams. Like, I was gonna say Jamal Williams is But you, you can't draft him in a handcuff range. You've got to take him standalone value range because he does. Correct. He does. I do, I do think Rashad I like White, Jamal Williams. Rashad White's one, but my concern is exactly what Chris hit on is if something happened to Fournette, like I think they acquire somebody else before they just say, Oh yeah, Rashad White, the rookie, you're yeah. gonna get the you're gonna get the workload. Like that's where yeah. I'm just gonna keep plugging it in. Damian Harris gets traded to Tampa Bay if anything happened to Leonard Fournette. Um, and so that's the, that's the kind of thing that I think would happen where, like you guys mentioned, I, I'm not sure if there are handcuffs outside of those traditional, I mean, honestly, what, Alexander Madison's the one we've seen actually prove it um, as far as stepping in yeah. and just being the guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fellas, anything else to leave the people with here on these running backs? Stay away, must draft. Anything else you got? Draft Packers running backs. 
and be happy about it afterwards. Because they're going to touch the ball every play. They might just play quarterback. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Travis Etienne in PPR leagues. That's all I can say. Agreed. I will I will second that. I do want to throw out there as we start getting closer to the season, guys, I know I mentioned this to you briefly before. As we get closer, DraftKings, their Millie Maker, $20 per entry. Uh, we will each week, courtesy of QC underscore fantasy on Twitter and Instagram, uh, we will pay for an entry with a lineup selected at random that the listeners submit to us. So need to be following us at QC underscore fantasy on Twitter and or Instagram. And then the week leading up to games starting on Sunday. So this is the Sunday afternoon window. Uh, we will draw at random one of the lineups submitted. We will submit it um, and we will split money that is one. We'll work out details on exactly what the split is, but we'll keep everybody posted as we move closer to the season. And guys, yep. no, I will not right. be paying for your entries in. Oh. This is this is the business. We are running this, and oh. we are helping the people out, our listeners, if they submit us lineups the week before games start. Uh, I think you should pay for mine. Maybe not Chris. You know? Pay for mine. Chris, are you following us on Twitter? Probably not. What's Twitter? I'm, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fellas, it's been fun. We got wide receivers coming up next, redraft, and that'll be another interesting conversation to have. Tight ends, we'll wrap it up with another mock draft, and then we will get into our home league, uh, which will be fun, auction draft style. We will do that on the podcast live as we draft, and then you all will hear it shortly thereafter. Last fun. week of preseason. We're almost there. Yes. Almost there. Have a day. Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Marquee matchup. Watch it. Where are the Packers playing in the preseason that anybody cares about? The Chiefs. So I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes are playing three quarters, I heard. Is Christian Watson or Sky Moore a better player? Uh, Forget situation. Aaron Jones. Throw out, throw out situation. Pick one. Sky Moore. Sky Moore's a better player. I'm taking Christian Watson. I think they're both going to do nothing in the league. So...